Hello everyone, welcome to a special surprise episode 25 of SIDcast. Jason Hendricks, you're back. What's going on, man? Hi, it's good to be back. Sorry you had to cut you short the first time with everything that was going on, so I, I, I felt you deserved another round two, or at least you felt I deserved another round two so they could get it right this time. Hey, well, I thought we did a pretty good job the first time. Um, first of all, before we get into anything, i got to say this because, you know, i got to get people to listen. Uh, Thank you all for downloading, subscribing, uh, rating, reviewing when you have a chance. I know every podcast says that. And it feels kind of scripted at this. This feels really repetitive, this this beginning now. I think we got to switch it up. You know what I want? I want some, like, intro music, but I don't want to, like, copyright. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then everybody would be like, what, what, what is this? I think that would be, be a lot of fun. So we're going to make a lot of changes, uh, hopefully next year, maybe even over the summer when I have the time to do some sort of thing. But yeah, we, I was planning to get you on for uh, our summer series coming up, so everybody, you should be looking out for that. We'll bring on some uh, past guests, and we'll, you know, 10, 15 minutes, what they're up to, where they're going on vacation, uh, what they're doing to, you know, better themselves and their career, and what's going on uh, at their respective college, university, slash institution uh, next season. So that's what we're working on. Speaking of which, uh, what are your vacation plans over the summer? I actually have zero as of this point, and it sucks. Yeah. Um, Uncle Sam was not too nice to my wife and I this past year. We sold our house in Tallahassee and moved to Atlanta, and we made too much money, according to Uncle Sam, by selling the house. And instead of being in our savings, he took it out of our savings and decided to go on a shopping spree for, I guess, whatever the United States government needs this summer. But uh, we, we'll take a... We'll take a couple of days, I'm sure, and go to Clearwater, or we'll go to Chicago. Got some friends and family, and I got some Cubs games I got to go see, and just got some people I got to connect with. So we'll, I know for sure we'll at least do that. It might be a weekend trip, but besides that, no huge vacation plans. Now, if you would have asked me this last year, I would have said 12 days in Belize, hiking trip with my wife and I, and that's what we did. So nothing extravagant like that like this year, but last year we went to Belize for a 12-day hike throughout the entire country, which was a great time. Um, what? How do you feel about Cub baseball, the start? Hopeful right now. I mean, I don't think everybody's all like, oh, man, we're going to repeat. You know, we want to chant. Whoa, 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 time out. I'm happy with one right now. That, to me, last year was a special event. I mean, we're doing great this year. We've got some kinks we got to figure out. Um, Hayward's finally hitting the ball. Um, our, I would say our shortstop play versus our left field play needs to be tightened up some. Um, our starting rotation, we need to get rid of Lackey, which will not happen. But we need to get rid of Lackey, and then maybe I'd be more confident. Um, and then maybe cement the closer role a little bit better than, than what, it, what it has been. But for some reason, we seem to be the comeback kid late as of late. Every single game, we're losing in the first six innings and coming back in the seventh, eighth, and ninth and winning. Or like last night, they went 1-0 and and barely skipped by through the Pirates. So it's stuff like that that I'm, I would like to see tightened up. But I'm very hopeful. My bigger thing about the Cubs that I'm more interested in is Project 1060, what's going on at the stadium there with the park at Wrigley and all that. I've got a bunch of friends and friends in that area and some people that I've known for, for 15, 20 years who literally live within blocks of the stadium. It's, it's what my second hometown is. and It's it's everything in that area. So I, I, I've seen bits and bits and pieces of it. Uh, we were just up there in November. We were there again in February. Um, 
when they did the whole reconstruction process of the, the bullpen and doing some of the new construction process for the, the parking deck and all that stuff that's going on at the park at Wrigley. But I'm more interested in seeing how that's going to go and some of the changes that they've made in the parks. The fans have been, I guess you could say, um, accepting of it. I thought some of it was going to be not as a, ooh, especially with the bullpen. That was the biggie. Uh, with fans used to that tradition of it being the bullpens on the sideline. But so far, there hasn't been a big rapport about it. But I am afraid that some of the stuff that they've actually got going on with the stadium, like some of the ivy coming down in certain areas or some video boards going up in certain spots or traditions like the Say Hey Pole and some of the things that they're doing, I'm just very curious to see what they're doing. I loved when they ran and raised the banners. I loved how they did it and how the fact that they incorporated everyone. Um, I think it's really cool that they are allowing fans to buy a $300 ring too as well, lifelong fans, and, and how they went about the organization from the top and bottom, giving out the, the rings the way they did, the 1,908 rings. I thought that was great. Um, but that's how I feel about the season right now. For more so, it's just a reflection on how they what they how they how did what they did last year. And, and I'm not getting my hopes up too high. I mean, we do, it's every year like that in Cubs fans. But at the same time, too, though, I'm still, I'm still. Hey, we're gonna go to the playoffs. Hey, we're gonna beat the Dodgers again. Hey, we're gonna go to the pennant, etc. We're always like that every year. I've been like that for 31 years, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so you like the ring ceremony? What they did with everything? I know there was a huge rain delay oh, with before. Oh, massive rain delay! Yeah. It was. Uh, I'm actually glad the rain delay happened. Ironically, we had a baseball game here at GGC that was supposed to start at two o'clock, and it got pushed back an hour because of the Atlanta Bridge collapse that happened here. So I was like, great, you know, I'm going to miss all the presentations. So when they first raised the banner on the first night, I was home. But then I had MLB pass. I was going to have it pulled up on the computer, on the side screen while at the game. Still good to watch it, but it got delayed. So I was like, all right, sweet, I'll get to see it. The only thing I didn't like about it was when they presented the rings, it was more so of a, hey, I got the ring, now let's go play baseball. I felt like it was too much of an emotional pregame thing where I felt like they split it over two nights for a reason, and I wish they just would have done it in one night, had it over with, got everything done on that first game, instead of it being what it was. Yeah, they won both games, but both games were a lot tighter than they should have been. So it's like when you raise a banner, usually the people who raise banners usually lose. It's tradition. <laughs> it's kind of weird because that's where the focus is. And that's the same thing with senior days. It's the reason why our coaching staff here at GGC does the senior days in advance of the last day of the year because they don't want to have to deal with the emotional side or it might be a playoff push or something like that. They get it done earlier in the season and, and take it from there. So do you guys have any sort of awards ceremony? I know we're kind of in the awards season. Do you have anything? We actually just had it. Um, this past Sunday we had the GGC Athletics Banquet, the fifth annual one. We've only had five of them now. Uh, with our fifth year of existence. Uh, it's a big, big, huge dinner. We had about 175 people in attendance. Uh, all six sports were there, coaching staffs, their spouses, significant others. Um, we honored people such as uh, Tom Grayson, for example, with the volunteer award uh, for a lot of the stuff that he does here with us. Uh, highlighted our our scholar athletes, highlighted the best male and female athlete, the highest GPA teams, had blooper reels. Um, you'll have to check out the video blooper reel. Actually, it's pretty funny this year. We had a student athlete who thought it was awesome to come in in the eighth inning of a baseball game and shoot a snot rocket. And the center field cam, there was a the way the sun was hitting, 
made it look like a huge waterfall, everything. Oh. And so it was slow mode, and we had a good commentary because one the day before we talked about how the coach was having problems clearing their throat, and the guy behind the scenes, Matt Mahoney, who does our stuff, was like, hey, just let it out, and we'll cut it out of the film and stuff like that. But it ended up being in the bloopers. Um, do stuff like that. All the students dress up really nicely. Um, big, big, huge thing. They have a, a highlights video that we did. Um a senior tribute, those type of things, but it, it's it's it was a good reflection. But the bigger banquets that are going on, we actually host four more banquets. Uh, we have, we're hosting the AI tournament here for baseball and softball next week, uh, so I'll have a banquet on Wednesday and a banquet on Thursday while we have games going on. Um, one for softball, one for baseball, so it'll be kind of fun to juggle those hats. Uh, and then the NAI opening round, as of now, we have softball as the number five uh, team in the nation. We'll be the one, hopefully be the one seed. I cross some fingers on that one. But then we find out on May 1st about baseball, so I could potentially host two more banquets after that. So what, what, uh, this may be a long answer or maybe maybe even a dumb question, but what's the key to pulling off a successful uh, awards ceremony or some sort of senior day? Um. It's going to sound arrogant to say it this way, me doing my job. Um, and what I mean by that is, and I say this in the most respectful tone, this isn't said in any, oh, they shouldn't have been here, none of that. It's our administrative staff gave us the jobs and the responsibilities that they gave us for a reason. They were actually gone the entire week before the banquet in San Diego, California at the National Convention. So for four days that they're gone, I'm planning, prepping, working with our business manager, piecing together all the certificates, ordering all the plaques, doing all the designs, working the PowerPoints, the videos, the table decorations, ordering food, reserving areas, doing sound checks, all that stuff leading up to the night. And then you have our assistant AD and our AD coming up to us the night of the event at 6 o'clock going, are we ready? We trusted you guys. Are we ready? Is there anything you need? You know, and then... We also will have one big hoopla meeting that will happen sometime this week or next week for the AII tournaments. But that's the bigger thing is just making sure that you you have a couple set of eyes on all the stuff that you design, all the PowerPoints you do. Make sure your scripts are written correctly. Nobody's left out, those type of things. And then on the day of, make sure that you're actually ready to go when everything sinks Having, getting there early, setting stuff up, doing a run-through with your staff, with your video crew. We actually broadcast ours, too, as well, and uh, do video with it. So it's it's giving those options. Being able to have the story actually pre-written in advance. So as soon as the banquet's over with, only thing you have to do is add in the photos, those type of things. And then putting up a photo gallery, the link to the video they can download, all that jazz. Uh, and all, all the student-athletes have to do is just show up. What's one thing you uh, wish the student-athletes understood about setting up an award ceremony like that? that not everything's going to be the way they want it. Um, and what I mean by that is they may not agree with the food choice. They may not agree with their seating location. Uh, they may not agree with the date and time in which the banquet is held. But to be more understanding that a lot, and I mean a lot, went into that event. So what I mean by a lot is an early early April, late, late March, early April, we send out the ballots for the awards. The coaches have to make their suggestions on who they think uh, deserves each award, whether it's their player of the year, or Grizzly Award, who's the best, who exemplifies what UGC Athletics is, or the service award, community service, those type of things. Uh, scholar athletes, they have to do their end, and then our coaches and us as staff, we vote on those things. 
Um, if there's a, a tiebreaker, we evaluate the two student athletes, and sometimes we give it away to both. There's other times that there's that one person who does just a little more that gets them the nod. Um, but going over those things, making them understand that it wasn't just, oh, we like this kid and they got the award. There was a lot that went into the stories behind these. Um, I'm not saying that our athletes are, oh, you know, I'm mad because yeah. I didn't get the award. But being supportive of those who actually won the awards and realizing what they did in their sport versus what you did in your sport and what it meant on a significant level versus in the heat of the moment. So, yeah, you might have won a national championship. Yeah, you might have won a regional championship. But what did you do as the individual that got your team there? Could your team have gotten there without your performance type of thing? Yeah. Is there any sort of, like, fun award that you guys hand out? No, uh, I wish there was. Uh, I guess the fun award is the blooper reel. Yeah. If that's if you really want to think about it, no. But there's there's going to be a meeting at some point. I actually, I've, I've been going through websites the past couple of days. I went through Auburn University's. Um, I went through the uh, Monterey Bay. went through theirs, the Otters. I went through their website. I went through some of the other people who host them. I looked at the Cami Awards at Campbell's. Um, Campbellsville, and then um, I went back and to my old experience, like at the uh, Golden Knoll at Florida State, and doing those things, going through those banquets, and I'm, I'm, I've got some suggestions and some stuff that I want to see implemented. I brought those to my assistant AD. I think he's going to bring those to our AD, and then also our video crews done the same things. Better ways that we can enhance it, better ways that we can sell the product, and better ways we can get people involved. So that's the stuff that we're looking to enhance in the future. I want to transition a little bit to something that's behind you. I know we talked about it a little bit the uh, last time that we talked, all those credentials. Uh, describe, you know, what what what's what what are those? You got a ton of them up there, a lot more than I do. Uh, these are these are my trophies, I guess you could say. Um, our student athletes they get national championship rings. Our school gets the national championship trophies. Um, but I get memories, I guess you could say, and. Days that I'm in my office and I'm struggling or days that I've had a tough day or I'm having a down day or I'm just so busy and it just feels that things are overwhelming. I can just look up at my wall and remember everywhere I've been and the fun moments and the times and stories that go with a lot of these credentials and why I do what I do. I mean, first stack, I'm looking at convention stuff from Cosida. Um, my first time that college game day came to Florida State and we played Notre Dame and um, I actually was on the stage with Lee Corso uh, when he actually dressed up. They had a – it was when FSU had just debuted their newer jerseys right. in the earlier fall. And he had that jersey on when he was doing his pick, and they had him in there. And he had uh, Coach Fisher's son, Ethan, joined him on the stage. I was there for those awesome moments. Uh, FSU grad Lee Corso, getting to hear some of his stories, getting to meet Curve Herbstreet. Um, I had already known David Pollock from my time and stuff I did at UGA, so getting to reconnect with him. Um, Sam Ponder, Christian Ponder was the quarterback at FSU. He and I had so many classes during my master's together. We were set beside each other. We were in study groups, those type of things. So getting to hear some of the stories of what he's doing now in the NFL when he was with the Vikings at the time and then 49ers, such and so forth. All right, looking at stuff like that. Um, national championship tournaments, I mean, some of the times we've done stuff. My first time I ever photographed for Kennesaw State, 
Um, the Clemson University game, yeah. Florida State beat them on the field goal by Dustin Hopkins, the 50-something yard field goal, when I happened to be standing under the goalpost when his now wife, Gabby, who was on, on the dance team with my wife, was to my right, looking down, saying a little prayer, and she looks over to me because Dustin and I were good friends. Um, she looks over at me and she goes, don't tell me. And she's looking down and she wanted to hear the roar of the crowd. That's what I remember from that prediction. Um, looking up at some of the other stuff that I've done, like the first time Florida State hosted the tennis national championship for the first and second round. Um, Wild World Sports Complex, the very first time my wife won a, a national championship in twirling. I mean, I got to be there <laughs> and witness it and take photos of the event. Um, the day I was in Herb, Herb Street's ear, as his stats person when Florida State played um, Maryland on October 22nd, 2011 at Florida State. I was the, the person that was in his earpiece telling him, like, what the line of game was, the stack, because that's what they do. That's, that, that's what you do behind the scenes. You're telling people 15-yard line, game, yada, yada, tackle by such and such. That's how they're, they're seeing it on the monitors, but sometimes you got so many numbers, they've got to have that backup. So that's what that earpiece was for. That's one of my favorite games that I think about. Um, looking through some of the other ones is some of my times at UGA, stuff that I got to do with the Atlanta Braves. Um, this was the day I met Pedro Martinez, uh, which was probably one of my favorite memories ever. Pedro Martinez had just joined the Mets, and he was uh, on his way into the stadium, and I was one of the player professionals at that point in time. I was like pretty much a gopher. And he sent me to Taco Bell, the, the old Turner, the Turner Field that's now Georgia State Stadium. Um, there used to be a Taco Bell KFC right on the corner across from Turner Field. He sent me in there with a $50 bill and told me to buy as many tacos as I could for his teammates. And that, that's what he, and he was going to wait. So I went over there, bought all the tacos I could, um, gave him like 20-something cents back in change, walked over to him, and he was carrying like, boxes of tacos into the Mets uh, clubhouse at that point, the Atlanta Braves clubhouse, but the visiting clubhouse at Turner right. Field, and sitting him down, like all of his teammates, like going, oh, <laughs> when he walked in the door. That's one of my funny memories. Um, my favorite credential, though, is actually not up on my wall. It's actually in a plaque that's at my house in my office. Um, I got to do... The national championship game, when it was in Tampa a couple years back, I was actually on the field as part of one of the runners that that did um, not not like runners oh handing out stats or anything like that, but like if there was something that you needed from on the field and you were one of the media professionals covering it, if I needed to run up and go grab something, if you needed a bottle of water or whatever, I was like their token boy who went and did it. But I was at the national championship on the field watching it happen, and it was right in front of my face. Not Tampa, Miami. Excuse me, Miami, yeah. not Tampa. But it's in a little placard with photos of me and my colleagues and stuff, and we all signed it. We all got one, so it was pretty cool. We all signed it, the frames for each other and pieced it together. That's one of my favorite memories of all time. Then. I got to ask, your wife was a national champion in, in twirling? Okay, so let's get, let's get to know my wife a little bit. My wife... Um, was the feature fire twirler at Florida State for for five glorious seasons, is what she says. Um, actually, it was I think it was three of the five seasons. 
she was uh, on the majorette line for her freshman year and her sophomore year, and then she was the feature fire twirler her junior, senior, and super senior years. Uh, she actually graduated in December, so they allowed her to stay on through that semester and twirl. Um, but when if you go to a Florida State football game, the first four people on the field are the the, the drum major, I guess is what the person's called, the person yeah. who does the conducting stuff, and then the features. And my wife was one of the first four people at every home football game. My wife was at all the the bowl games, the ACC championships. She's the crazy one who twirled fire at halftime. <laughs> but she won the, I think it's either the USTA or the DMA national championship. She was the uh, DMA collegiate champion in 2011, 12, or something like that, 2010, 11, 2012, something like that. Um, she and I met at Florida State. I graduated there and with my master's in 2011. She graduated from undergrad in the same year. Um, but it's awesome and weird. There's like all these photos that people see me and my wife together and go, what? She did what? And like, yeah, because she doesn't talk about it. Uh, she's, a, she's a middle school math teacher now. And so like her kids, like they'll catch her every once in a while, like taking something to her fingers and trolling it really fast. Uh-huh. Or she used to teach a baton group where she's from in the Orlando area. And, they actually still compete. They actually have called International Cup. There's a girl by the name of Carissa Wimberly who is actually her teammate, and her, her mother, Cheryl, was the coach at Florida State. Well, Cheryl is no longer there, but Carissa has now taken over at Florida State, and she twirled at UGA and at Florida State. Um, so it's like a giant community and family, but that's the team she competed on. Um, one, her sister is actually one of the people who does this now, and they're actually going this summer to either – I think it's Romania or the Ukraine, whatever that area is. Yeah. That's where the World National Championships are held. Two years ago, they were in Jacksonville, Florida, as the United States hosted it. Two years before that, they were in Sydney, Australia. The year before that, they were in London, England. So she's she's been all over. Um, a lot of the twirling world, surprisingly, has been all over the world competing. If you ever want to know any more about it, look it up. The United States Twirling Association or DMA. Can't tell you what DMA stands for off the top of my head. They have something to do with drum major, drum corps, drum majorettes, or who knows. But that's what she does. That's what she did. Uh, that's what she did athletically. I mean, so we have two athletic people in a relationship. <laughs> uh, back to your credentials. That was a great story, but I, n- I never knew that, that all over the world. That doesn't surprise me now that I think about it. But uh, It's huge, especially yeah. in Asia, dude. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, China, Japan, Taiwan, they've got some great teams. Yeah. For some reason, Ukraine uh, doesn't surprise me either. Uh, in Romania, um, what's what's the most creative way you've seen someone display their uh, credentials? I've seen three or four different ways, actually. Um, I've seen somebody who actually, the people who we're talking to right now can't visually see this, but I will send you this photo too as well if you feel free to at some point in time show this. But this is actually a summer project for me. Hey. I can angle it a little bit. Uh huh. It's, all, those are Cubs baseball cards. I don't know if you can really see that that well. But that's a table. I'm in the process of making a table with nothing but Cubs baseball cards used as shellac. I've seen people do that, like with their credentials or tickets and stuff like that. They've made tabletops and shellac them or put a glass covering on top of them. Um, I've seen people make decoupage or, or they've done signs or they've done posters and stuff like that with all their credentials. 
Um, the second way I've seen them is if you go to Ikea, they've got those um, string things that people – it's the metal bar type yeah. of thing. They're like strings. They look like clotheslines. But you can put clips on them and stuff. I've seen them. People do them from like one corner of their office across the ceiling top all the way to the other spot, and they just hook them in one at a time. Um, I've seen, and that's kind of the second way I've seen the third and fourth ways I've seen them. I've seen somebody actually take them and use them as like book markers, or they've used them as like sectionals and file cabinets and stuff like that. That's how they've used them as as, as a a usable use for them. But the fourth way I've seen them is probably the most unique I've ever seen. Um, I've seen people who have recycled them into actual purses and boxes and stuff like that. There's like, if you ever go to craft shows, you'll see people who make those Capri Sun purses. Oh, yeah. But those type of things, I've seen some of my colleagues do that. I mean, that was more so in the... Ohio Valley, West Virginia, Kentucky area of the United States, but <laughs> not where I'm at now. But uh-huh. like, it's I've seen people do that. Uh, so, so when you're making these tables, you know, do you have any other sort of passion projects or something you work on? I'll give you an example. Every summer, I work on I just woodwork, okay. I, and I and I get a copycat. Yeah, I get a uh, from my high school, my local high school. I'll get some of their broken or, you know, unusable football helmets, and I'll just repaint them, put the decal on them, and then refurbish them and stuff. Is there anything you do, something like that? I don't go to the that level, but there's, <laughs> there, there's two projects my wife and I jointly do. Um, what people don't know about me is I'm very good with woodwork, but restoration is my huh. – uh, um, restoration is where I'm best. And what I mean by that, and if people ever want to see this out, friend book, Facebook request me on my Facebook and go filter through my hundreds of albums I've got. But when it comes to doing weddings, I do a lot of wedding planning for my friends in the summertime Mm -hmm. for their future. So, for example, right now I have a friend who just got engaged three months ago whose wedding is next June. Uh, My wife and I together are consulting her on – rustic looks or Armenian looks or Italian looks, whatever they're looking. But I do all that stuff to help them so that I know what to help them with woodwork, what their color schemes are, what they do stuff. So all that goes back to my own wedding. Um, I refurbished two 1920s barrel wagons from milk crates, Um, like the old wagons that you would see. You could connect an ox to or whatever you want to from milk crates. We refurbished and restored those. I found them sitting at a barn in the middle of Kentucky. I asked the guy, could I buy them off of him? He gave them to us. Um, and then a gentleman who owns the Garnet and Gold store um, down in Tallahassee, he's been a longtime friend of us here. He has decided that he would also give us two wagons that he had in his store. So I made a rustic wagons that people could put their mason jars on for drinking. We would take wood name tags and so they could have it for the night. Um, put burlap around the glasses and stuff, so it was like a rustic look and everything. But I restored bookshelves, um, old wood. Like my wife and I go to a lot of Goodwill stores, or we go to a lot of uh, Habitat stores, repurpose stuff. Salvation Armies. We'll go to uh, junkyards and find old wood and make it into a desk. Uh, the desk at my house, the bookshelves at my house, are all repurposed wood that I pieced together over the years. 
Um, and then another funny haha fetish, if that's what you want to call it, when the woodworking world is I actually like to make frames out of the most impossible stuff you've ever met in your life. So when people, when, actually I'll grab one. When people see wood or they see metal, I see, oh. I see art. So I take old, like yard ornaments. Mm-hmm. You would have like those yard ornaments that people would buy at a, a dollar store or whatever, the little metal ones. I pop off those materials and reworked them and put them into wood. Like 90% of the thing you just saw was was metal, and the rest of it was a wood frame behind it where I took four pieces of wood and glued them together then put a screw or a nail behind to, to fashion the corner and then wood putty them and then sanded them down. So, yeah, that's funny you say that. And then the last part of woodwork that I do is I make a lot of Adirondack chairs. Um, those, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, it's those giant, right, yeah. the wooden chairs, and like when you go to the Bahamas, everybody takes that one quintessential photo, the Adirondack chairs, but I make a lot of those chairs on the side from scratch, or I'll take templates and customize them with paint jobs, or, or spray paint jobs, so here's an example of one of them like we did last summer. Oh, I like that. Our porch in Tallahassee, so that was at our old house, so but the way I got the idea behind it was the actual giant chair that I speak of. So that's when I started seeing, I was like, oh man, I can, I can do those. Took a photo of it and then made my own measurements and had, and it took me two or three years to get it right. Mm-hmm. Like several, several trial of error of sitting down and then breaking in the middle or bowing and how to figure out how to get the right wood to bow out versus bow in. And yeah, I guess you could say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a craftsman when I get the time. Yeah, you've got an eye for design. Uh, let's let's transition a little bit to maybe some things that you do uh, digitally with graphic design. I mean, you you you've had some pretty great uh, graphics that have come up. Uh, I I will say um, that I've seen. Where where do you get some of these ideas from? <laughs> I I don't know if we actually talked about this before, but it, I know I know one hundred percent this came up on Twitter a couple months back, and. People thought I was joking around until I literally showed them the sketches or I showed them the gifts I was talking about. Yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking about now? No, but when you said sketches, because if you're going to say the thing I think you're going to say, I sketch out some stuff too, so. Okay, so the two ways that I find inspiration is I am a huge Disney slash Pixar movie nut. Like, I, I own about 400 DVDs in our, our collection, digital downloads, Netflix, anything that I can get my hands on. Like The Secret Life of Pets, by the way, just came out on Netflix for folks if you want to watch it. Um, so long story short, Monsters Incorporated, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles have been a lot of my um, inspiration in the past couple of months. And the one example that the mainly that people thought that thought I was BSing was the Monsters Incorporated, the newest movie that they have out, where it's the Monsters U. Um, there is a new character that they introduced who, whenever he gets happy, he does this. He's like, yeah, and he dances. So long story short, we have a video board at our baseball field, and we just had the approval from our school to start using our, our mascot. That was actually a university mascot. Not the uh, the college's athletics mascot. We don't technically have a legit college athletics mascot. The the college athletics came to Georgia Gwinnett after the college was made. The college was here for about ten years, I want to say, um, before we got athletics. It, or no, no, seven years. 
It opened up in 2005. We got athletics in 2012. So, yeah, about seven years. So the mascot was previous before us. So now that we're using it, I have GIF files and I have GIF, GIF, however you want to say it. doesn't matter to me. There are video clips where the the motivation came from the stuff I saw on Pixar going, the guy doing mm-hmm. the dance or whatever. I put that into our mascot and had our mascot doing it in a GIF file that I use anytime score, somebody scores a run. Or, you know... Um, the cooler graphics that I've been doing lately goes a lot more so with, I guess there's a movie out there called Spirit. I think that's the name of the Spirit, or no. Is it the Spirit? It's a D- DC Comics slash Marvel movie. Okay. Where it had, I think it was called The Spirit or something like that, where it was a lot of dark reds, dark whites. It's got Samuel L. Jackson. It's got all those Bruce Willis. It's got all those people, ton of people in it. Um, but it's like a superhero type of movie. Um, and what I try to do is, is I try to find stuff out there that, A, no one's doing or no one's thought of first. I mean, they might have thought of it, but they haven't executed it. And then I try to find ways that, A, it matches my brand, first of all. B, does it match the flow of what I'm doing? And then how does it actually connect with the urban community that our school is actually in? Since we're in an urban-based community that's a melting pot with so many different cultures I try to find something that relates to each culture. So for the Pokemon crowd, I try to do a cartoonish look every once in a while. You know, for the sports buffs, that sporty look to it. You know, for um, rap music, for country music, for whatever, I try to adhere to those type of crowds too as well. So that's the first part of it. Um, Some of the other graphics that I've been doing lately also is more like national awards and things like that. It's more, more so letting the graphic tell the story where I don't have to write any text. I should be able to tell you the story one time without any text, and you should get what's going on. So, like, get up, it's game day. I should be able to put the date, the time, and you know what sport it is by looking at what type of image I put up there. Um, some of the layers, the steel look, the one of the logos I actually have that's coming out um, tomorrow, actually, for the AI tournament for softball, incorporates Legos. Like, because what you're doing is you're using the building blocks to get to a national tournament. Oh. So, I'm... I'm taking a play on words. So, like, there's a snake in my boot. We, when we play any team that's got, like, a Viper or the Warhawks or anything like that, anybody that I can coin that's done something in Pixar or Disney, I think about how Disney portrayed it and Pixar could portray it, and then I look into it. So that movie Inside Out, where it's got all the happy, joy, love, the cities that they built or the new Lego movie that came out with Batman and all the characters and how they build stuff, I've, I've incorporated those things into what's going on to society into the graphics I use, and that's why I use the crazy color schemes I do. Um, sometimes the reason why I use certain layer vanages or certain fabrics or patterns in certain ways that I do. So this one for this week is going to be interesting, but the building blocks of Legos is something that I love to use just because it's you're building uh, the road to a championship, the yellow brick road, uh-huh. that type of thing. So those are where I get a lot of my stuff. People think I'm crazy, but I don't do the, oh, what is my team's theme, those type of things. I do in the moment what's big, how can it be addressed, and how does it sell my brand and keep within brand. So I'm glad you brought up brand because that was exactly the direction I was heading with that. Uh, we talked about it a little bit with Chris Sabato. And as you said, with GGC, you guys are in the middle of Atlanta, melting pot. You've got a lot of... of you know, looks and things, you got to tailor to a lot of people. So for, you know, a smaller, maybe even a larger uh, institution SID, 
that doesn't know the first thing about, you know, they're just making graphics to make graphics, doesn't fit the university at all, what are some suggestions you have to them to develop that consistency in that brand? Um, automatically, find fonts that work and stick to them. And that's the biggest issue that I have. And, I, and I'll, I'll say this in a positive but also in a negative light. I love Zeros too. It's what the official font is for Georgia Gwinnett. But there are times it is inappropriate for use. Like, it just doesn't look right. Um, there's other times where Fat Frank looks beautiful in some of the stuff that I do. Or Glossy and Gloom. Or um, Agency. Even as, even as simple as Agency or Roboto. Using those things and just keeping them and keeping them consistent. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is is finding your balance of colors. If you're using a green, what shade of stroke do you use with it? Do you use a white? Do you use the black? Or do you use gray? If all four of them are biggest gold, for us, for example. We have five colors. How am I matching those colors? Um, next, what type of patterns am I using? You know, am I using something that points to a direction? Am I pointing to where I want their eye to go to? Or am I using just a color vintage just because I want it to have color? Um, automatically, when I tell people, when, and it comes down to sketching too, when you have an idea, I always do what's called a splashdown. Sketch the idea out and always keep it even if it doesn't work because you never know what graphic down the road it will work for. So the biggest thing that I tell people when it comes to unifying that brand, making sure that it looks good and that it's consistent, is A, like I said, finding the fonts that work, finding the direction of where you want the focus to go, and then finally, make sure it fits. And what I mean by fit is, does it work on the, the, the brand that you're putting it on? So there's people out there that will use a, a graphic on Instagram that doesn't meet the 800 by 800 block. They use a 400 by 600. Well, a rectangle doesn't look good on a square surface. Um, Twitter, I shouldn't have to click into a graphic to see the full graphic. Right. Um, if it's a GIF file, make sure when I click on it, it doesn't have to expand where it has the black sides on it and, and you're losing half the graphic and it's, and it's height. Um, the other thing, too, is when you use colors, make sure those colors evacuate or, or, or not evacuate the, the mindset but they they tell the story of what you want the result to be out of the graphic so if you're wanting to gain somebody's attention bright colors you know not doldrums if you're wanting to make it look prestigious you know use prestigious colors um if you're wanting something to to, to be if there's been maybe a death and there's been somebody who who has lost something or there's been a a tragic loss uh, on the field, not a death, but like a, you lost a huge game. Think about the moves that you're using. You don't want bright, flashy, you know, such and such has worked for your school for 60 years, they're leaving your school, you know, they're retiring. No, you want something that's more prestigious, symbolic. Um, so think about those things. And then the last point of interest, what I tell people when they try to stick to a brand, is when you're using logoing and when you're using opponents' logos, Check their brands first. Um, the one thing I hate about ESPN is they always use logos that aren't brand guide official. And what I mean by that is if you have, for us, for example, our G-Claw, we have what's called the clear zone on a G-Claw. If our G-Claw sits here, we have the square around it where you don't put anything around it. It's got to stand alone by itself. Um, 
ESPN, for example, if this is my G call, they like to use just this much of it. Yeah. And they cut off the top and the bottom where it violates my brain guy. So, yes, I understand why they do that, and it's like that with everyone consistently. But, man, does that take away from the story. You know, if you're going to use a logo, use the logo. If you're not going to use the logo, use text or use something else or use a, a portion logo that the school designates. So what I mean by that is a perfect example is the Georgia, uh, Georgia College Bobcat. They have this as their logo, the actual Bobcat head. But when they have that cutoff section, they use just the glowing eye. So like the Warhawks at Auburn-Montgomery, they have the full Warhawk. But when they do the cutoff, they've got just the beak and the eyes. So those are the things that you always look for, those secondary logos. If you have to use a secondary logo, make sure they're utilized properly. Otherwise, you can't create a brand for yourself if you're not respecting the brand of your competitors. Um, what's I moving away from that? That was a great whole whole thing. It's just great. Um, it's been, it's been something that like I I just re- I just ordered the book uh, Brands Win Championships, yep. and I'm gonna be reading that. I have a feeling I'm gonna use a highlighter and use sticky notes like things that I've never done before on it. So, um, what's one design project that you haven't yet done but always wanted to do? Uh, that, there's two of them that I really want to do. Um, I'm not an employee at this at this place. I'm not a staff member at this place, but there is a certain college and there is a certain MLB program that if I ever got the phone call to do a freelance work for them, I've got an idea. And the biggest idea, it, it centers around, without giving the team away, the team that I support all over my office, um, if, if and when... I ever got to do a game day graphic for them, I would utilize how I would like to utilize the Ivy, how I would like to utilize a certain player or two for that day. I've got my sketches. I actually did one um, that people could see on Facebook and Twitter last year during the championship run. I did one of Jake Arietta that got a lot of traction. Um, and then the one that I already did, but I don't work there, uh, University of Oregon, <laughs> They played TCU. I'm not very proud of this logo on this graphic because it was the halftime score, oh. and they ended up not scoring a single point in the second half, and they lost 41 to 38 when they were winning 38 to three. <laughs> um, but I did a first half score logo graphic, and I would like to one day have them play like Florida or Georgia Tech or Georgia or somebody at a bowl game that I might be able to volunteer at here in Atlanta or the biggest one that I haven't got to do. And I've actually emailed my butt off to and never have gotten a response back. So I'm going to actually start doing some more research on the college football championship is being held here in Atlanta next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure out what I can do to help them better their graphics. And this is probably going to get me in trouble somewhere and I don't really care because it's, it's how I really feel and it's the truth. But two years ago, the Chick-fil-A Bowl uh, had Florida State play Houston yeah. in the bowl game. And when Houston beat them, the individual behind the graphics, I commented on Twitter. It got me in a lot of heat because I commented it on what I thought was the most embarrassing graphic of the Power Six Bowls. Um, and my comment was, is I thought for a major six bowl, 
that the group could have done a better job compared to the other five holes. Wasn't I didn't mean it towards the person who did the work. Yeah. I didn't mean the person's work. But a comparison between the other major five bowl games, I thought that the Chick-fil-A Bowl did a really subpar job compared to the other five. And and out of my six, they came in six of six, and if I rated the, the, rated the others. So what I mean by that is my comments back then were um, I was very disappointed in what they had done. I would love to help out and or be a freelance for free, even do work for free, or just be a part of the bowling freeze to help them put out graphics or be a part of a graphics team so they can have four or five people instead of one person who was an intern or graphics whoever from the bowl game do it. So that would be my bucket list, would be being a part of a graphics team that helped publicize, helped work for the College Football National Championship that's going to be held here next year. That's something I would like to be a part of. I've sent in several media inquiries to their media at collegefootballplayoffs.com, volunteering my services and mentioning a couple of names and colleagues who I think would also like to be involved and help out in the Atlanta area. But I don't really know where those emails are going to or who to contact. So that's kind of been one of the one of the fun things I'm going through right now on the side, trying to put my foot in the door somewhere to help out. Not that I'm the best in the nation, because I know there's ton more graphic designers out there that are 50 times better than me any day, all day long. But I'm a local product who think I can help out instead of what I saw two years ago. <laughs> Uh, I want to transition to the part of the interview where I just like to ask fun questions. I think I think I asked you a restaurant recommendation. Yeah, you one. did. Uh, Universal Joint, and if you're in Atlanta, go to the Varsity. Right. Don't go to the Sundial. <laughs> they just had somebody, a young a young toddler, just died in the Sundial. Oh. So right now, right now, stay away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> city as is, but yeah, Universal Joint's where it's at, and Lawrenceville, in my opinion. And they also have a Chicago dog place in this area I love to go to just because of my lifestyle. Uh, new question I have I have for guests. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't let you know this beforehand, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you had to give an award for the top three intercollegiate athletic social media teams for their work, who would it be? Let's back up for a second. Can we have two categories here? If you want two categories, man, go for it. Actually, let's make it three categories. Let's go D1, non-D1, and then in-house versus out-of-house. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of programs out there that like to use people like Box Sports or Box Out Sports, whatever the name of that company is, Um, Old Hat. They outsource all their work. They need to be in the category of their own. Uh, So the people who use, like, those type of things, they, they need to be discluded. Um, the people who have like 80 different graphic design groups, like I love Clemson. I love what they're doing, but it's just unfair. Um, (laughs) same thing with like university of Tennessee. I love what they're doing, but dang, is it unfair? They've got nothing but like a huge graphics team. Um, number one in my, my bucket is probably Oklahoma state, but Oklahoma state is actually going to drop in the next couple of, of semesters. And the reason for that is because University of South Carolina is going to take over that spot. And the reason for that is the gentleman who left Oklahoma State for the job at the University of South Carolina, um, Joe Johnson, uh, he is one of the best graphic designers, I think, that's out on the market right now. Joe was at Oklahoma State. He just left Oklahoma State for the creative director role 
um, at South Carolina. So I think they're going to be the they're going to be the new top one. That's why I say it have two categories. Okay. So the D ones, I think right now Oklahoma slash Oklahoma State slash University of South Carolina because of Joe. Um, number two, Tennessee. Like, like Tennessee just is destroying people right now. Um, number three is Baylor. I think Baylor has done a really good job. Um, on the NAIA level, I'd have to say, let's go non-D1. I'm going to incorporate some D2s there. Okay. Uh, I'd have to say that, ah, so the non-D1 teams, there's, I think there could be maybe one through five. That would be good. If I had to name and toot some out there, though, I'd have to say, Division two level, you've got Auburn Montgomery would be up in that 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 list. Um, Williamette would be definitely in that list at Division three with Chris Sabato, whatever he does up there is just lights out. I wish I had his job and his time because I would love to do some of the things he does. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to toot my own horn. I think George Gwinnett does a really good job for the NAI level. Um, Madonna does a good job. Zach sure does a good job. I'm not sure who does his graphics. I know it's not Zach. <laughs> um, <laughs> no offense, buddy. I love you. But uh, I'm not sure if he does those outsource and source and creates a template and what he does. But I think they do a good job there. Um, two other schools that I think are really doing a good job. I'd have to say Fresno State. I know they're D1, but I think they also do a great job for a lower major one. And then I think Butler University does a great job too as well. Uh, one thing you're interested in to learn more about to better yourself on the profession? Two things, actually, because they, they, they help each other. Um, I want to better learn how to use XML imports on my graphics. Um, in the past, before I worked at Georgia Gwinnett and other college levels, I was actually a director of communication who did a lot of multi-source imports from S these uh, CSV files and XMLs for other jobs that I did, like when we do mass mailings or importing names or whatever I had to do. Um, I want to learn how to better do those on my own. I actually created some graphics for Georgia College uh, that they actually use now in baseball and basketball for when, I, when I, I'm an alumni there, so I just do a lot of stuff for them for free on the side because I love Al Weston and I love what they do there. Um, they, they, they cultivated me to who I am, so you people listening get back to your colleges. They help mold you. Um, but instead of using XMLs to import the stat line, I'm looking at the box sheet and doing it myself manually. So I'm having to do the 50%, the 60s. Uh -huh. I want to learn how to better do that so it can alleviate that time. But then I also want to know how to better use masking than what I already know how to do. Uh, masking can be utilized in so many different ways, and there's so many different ways you can do it but using it in a better form for graphics. And then part two of the things that I want to learn is more so not how to be a better writer, but to be a more connective writer that gives the audience what they want to see versus what a newspaper outlet wants to be given. Okay. All right. Uh, one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession. Huh. Well, a couple days ago, we had a Twitter group in YP Sports Chat that kind of went over resumes and, and, and what to do in that type of profession, who to reach out to. And one of the biggest responses that worked that came in was whether or not you link social media stuff 
to those resumes or how you actually do resumes and stuff. So that's where my advice is going to come from. It's going to be twofold. Number one, whatever you put on your resume, you need to make sure that it doesn't have, quote, issues. And everybody always asks me to define the word issues. What I mean by issues is if you've got a social media account that drives attention or you have to put on a lock and you don't want people to see some of the things you do, you shouldn't put it on your resume. Um, as a hiring agent, the first thing I'm going to do is look under social media. If you've got a lock, it's going to make me put a red flag of why has this person got a lock? Um, so if you're putting stuff on social media that you don't want people to see, you need to not have social media in general. If you're, if you're being controversial, if you I mean, it's great to have opinions, but to be extremely controversial, being negative 24-7 where people are second-guessing who you are as a profession, that's not the way to go. So watch for those things. Um, other issues might include style of dress. Um be professional in your dress. You might be um, the fact that you might be a 19, 20, 21 year old versus a 30, 31, 32 year old versus a 40, 41, 42, or a 50. You're going to have different styles of dress and, and, and public life. So yeah, it's good to have your fun in college, but once you get to a professional level, make sure your 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 post are at professional level. Um, your photos and your friends and the things they're tagging you in or posting you in are actually the same thing. Um, and how you respond to people and what you talk about. Make sure that when you're responding, it's you're using proper language, you're not having constant typos, you're not using slang. Those are the things that I would suggest. Part two of that is in your resume. Is I, I don't believe in it has to be one page. I think if you have more experience, you need to put that experience on there. For me, it's, I always tell people to tailor your resumes to what you're applying for. Don't apply to a job that you don't have any business applying to. If you're trying to get a director role and you've never had an assistant director role, stop applying. Um, if you are trying to get a, an assistant director at a D1 level and you've never been an assistant or a student worker or even a GA at another level, stop wasting your time. Um, if you're trying to get on an MLB and you haven't had any experience in baseball, what are you doing? And, and I'm, I'm saying those questions not to sound harsh, but I really do mean that because as a hiring agent, the first thing that I would look at is, why is this person applying to work in something they've never been involved with? Right. You know, what's the reasoning? Yeah, they might be great down the road, but I want to know why. Tell me the reasons why you applied. Use that cover letter. A lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't use cover letters anymore. Well, you know what, man? You just gave up your shot to tell me immediately in two or three paragraphs, not two freaking pages, two or three paragraphs, why this job's important to you, what you could immediately do, and what you could enhance and also move forward with what's already being done great at that school. And that's the biggest issue that is missed today. Final thing, and I've, I've already asked you this, but we do it at the end of every show. If somebody wanted to get back in touch with you again or just have any questions, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, multiple avenues. You can hit me up on Twitter. It's at Jason, J-A-S-O-N, M as in Matt Hendricks, H-E-N-D-R-X. That's Jason M. Hendricks. Um, you can get in touch with me at email at jhendricks at aisports.com or at jhendricks, the number four, at ggc.edu, or you can always text me, my number is 678-367-5179. I don't care if you know that. only thing I get, I don't know you. I mean, I respond is quick. Send me a text who you are, and if you have any questions, let me know. And also, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I've had a lot of people who have done that more late, and that goes back to the advice that we talked about earlier. LinkedIn can be your can be your biggest aid instead of a cover letter if you don't want to use cover letters because it allows you to put work examples of the things that you've already done and it shows people your skill sets. Um, get a Behance too as well. That's where they're at. 
But besides that, that's how you can connect with me. Look me up on grizzlyathletics.com on our staff page or the AIsports.com staff page, and I'm always willing and ready to lend a listening ear, to offer advice, or just to allow you to come work with us, see some experience, come down and visit with me for a day or two. If you're ever in the Atlanta area or Lawrenceville, about 35 minutes northeast of Atlanta, come see me. I'd love to have you here. Perfect. Thanks, Jason, for coming back on. I really, really appreciate it. I'm glad we got you back. Glad to be here. Thanks again for having me, David. Hey, everybody. That was episode 25 of SIDcast with Jason Hendricks, part number two. And thank you all for downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Uh, Next week, not sure what's going to be going on. Uh, It's just the summer's rolling around, and I know I didn't say I said I was going to be done after episode 24, but I I like you guys, and we're going to do a 25th one, so here you go. Uh, Nice little surprise. Um, if you guys have any questions, you can always find us on Twitter, Facebook, backslash Sports InfoCast, because SIDcast is already taken um, by a guy who do- also does a podcast, but he, he hasn't done it in like two years, so you should probably delete your thing and let me have it. Um, y- you know, y- you would think you would be that kind of courteous. But um, yeah, thank you all. Uh, Gmail, sportsinfocast at gmail.com if you want to tell me that you love it. I've been getting a lot of personal uh twitter dms by the way um i love all the feedback for there you can follow me personally at david gibson underscore xc because i haven't changed my cross-country stuff in a couple years as well um so yeah Uh, thank you all for listening and we will see you all in the next episode